If you are listening to the Candid Conversations podcast, it means you are ready to have a major breakthrough in your business. That is why we invite industry experts onto this show so you can fill your mind with valuable information. We exist because we believe business owners are the real investors of the economy. Here's your host, Charles Schwen from Flying Kite. Welcome to another episode of Candid Conversations. This is episode number 59. My name is Charles Schwen from Flying Kite. Today, we have PJ Bishop, and PJ is the VP of Sage, the Sage Accounting, and yes, I use Sage too, and no, this uh, this episode is not sponsored by Sage yet, hint, hint, PJ. He's the VP of the Services and Partners and Alliances of AME, which stands for America and the Middle East. PJ, welcome to the show. Thank you, Charles. It's Africa, Middle East. Uh, sorry, Africa, what did I say? American. Yes. Well, today, America, tomorrow, the world. I mean, today, yeah, today, Africa, tomorrow, the world. All right, so let's think big. All right, just kidding. So, PJ, um, we know each other a little bit, and uh, we go, we, we know each other for a few years. And uh, as you were saying, like, um, uh, before before we before we started recording, uh, this is the first time you had a, somebody that's not a total stranger, per se, that's interviewing you. So I do have an unfair advantage. Uh, but before we get to talk about your, your role and how you got got so far at Sage, because I believe this is your 17th year, or is it 18th? 18th year, yes. 18th year. So I always like to go back in time, and I believe your folks were, well, are still from um, from, from England, and uh, they, were, as far as I remember, um, your, both your mom and dad were self-employed. Is that correct? That's it, yes. Yeah, my mom was a seamstress, and she ran a uniform shop, and my dad was a plumber with plumbing and tiling businesses and kitchen renovations. And yeah, they were self-employed and um, were, the, were the visionaries of entrepreneurship and where I could actually um, learn from, um, from, from the word go. Did they ever, so I mean, running a business is, is, is very, very hard work. I'm sure you saw a lot of uh, weekends, especially after hours, your mother, sewing and stuff did they ever talk talk to you about business because i know you've got uh, a few side hustles yourself was or was that something that was talked about around the dinner table so not in not in a formal way i think it was just part of their lives where um my mom would typically have specific days um allocated to the retail shop where she'd sit behind the counter and actually sell um to the at the um, school that she was at and she sold the uniforms um, in the mornings and some afternoons um and then um yeah at the dinner table the chats were normally around the seasonality of the uh, uniforms and uh, what's new and the new things coming in teams because every year the sports teams used to change their gear and so forth um and in the evenings my mom used to do the the, the books and i was very interested i used to sit next to her when she had this massive general ledger book that she'd open up and um, all the transactions the payments journal and the receipts journals the trial balances and that's from an early age being exposed to that and understanding cash flow and the, and the value of one rand was important um and i think the lessons I learned is more around the value of money and the effort that goes into to working for it. And I think also things that I've seen is how hard my parents have worked. Um, if I look at it now, I think in terms of working smarter and not harder, 
I know it sounds very cliche, but um, they work themselves to the bone and there are other means and, and ways of doing things. And hence me clicking onto the technology side and um, looking at, at bringing technology into these areas to make it easier for people like my parents to help mm. businesses thrive. That that's that's uh, that's very cool, and uh, it's got a lot to do with what Sage is focusing on. And you mentioned the value of money, and you mentioned general ledger. I had a smile now because that immediately took me back to high school accounting, general ledger, and uh, I remember that very very well. Those those I think the, the the accounting books had a blue and yellow cover or something like that. Um, and I I uh, I want to ask you so. You obviously start working at a very young age. Um, what was your first job? Was it at Woolies or what, what was your first job? Yeah, so and my parents always um, allowed my sister and I to choose. So it wasn't forced upon us to go and work and, and earn extra money. Um, my first job was actually uh, creating packing cases for a, an artist here in Irene where I grew up. Um, and we used to, I just used to hammer together packing cases. So these big brass busts of, of, of African um, models um, used to be sent out to Singapore from South Africa. And that was my first job. How old um, were you? While, um, I was 12 at that stage. Hey, that's, so, that's, uh, that's illegal. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it was, it was one of my dad's friends at the time. Um, he used to be in our community and I just took a liking to a bit of woodwork and bits and pieces. So I just did really rough makeups of boxes and so forth and helped them pack these, these bronze busts that, that went on for sale overseas. And that was a good, good, taste of entrepreneurship from that perspective to show you that you can actually sell or make anything as long as there's a demand for it and it might not be in your own country or your own village or your own city it could be elsewhere in the world um my second job was was a traditional paper paper boy uh did the paper rounds in Irene and i delivered newspapers um it was a fantastic job because when i was a kid i always wanted to be a postman because i could drive my or ride my bicycle every day and then my dream came true uh, at the tender age of 13 when we were allowed to do it um however um we weren't paid at that stage it was all kept in a in a kitty and given to our parents um, oh wow okay. at, at that stage which which obviously my parents um shared it with with myself my sister also Shortly after that, realized that I was quite well off as a, as a child, being able to buy sweets and chips and things at the at the local store, um, and I also wanted to get in on it. So she also started delivering uh, uh, pamphlets at the different um, uh, areas here around uh, Centurion. So that's how we got involved. And then at a later stage, um, I joined Woolworths as a a cashier, well, actually, as a as a cleaner um, downstairs after the night shift when all so, the just hold on. Is you were you were working night shift, and at what age was this? Sixteen. How did you night shift? So what what time did your shift start? So it was post night shift. So um, we there were permanent employees um, at a contracting firm. We used to unpack trucks, and that would come in from eleven o'clock till six o'clock in the morning. So I typically would be there at about half past four to five, and uh, we'd clean up the crates and all the all the leftovers. What happens after unpacking and, and, and replenishing shelves? In the, in the food court at at Woolies. How did, very, get, very, sorry, how did you get to? Was this during school days or was it during school holiday? During school days and school holidays. So, so you telling me? I didn't know this, PJ. So you telling me at the age of you say sixteen? Hmm. 
At the age of 16, you were doing two hours when most of us were still sleeping. And then you, you, you work for two hours, you get home and change, and then you come to school. So on weekends, it was actually coming in at half past four to five, um, working right through the day. Then I was a cashier during the day. So it was about a 12 to 16 hour shift at, at that stage. And then um, at, at, while I was at school in the week, the replenishment and that would be after five. So it was, I wouldn't go in in the mornings, but uh -huh. in the mornings it would be on a Saturday and a Sunday morning for the replenishment. Team. Wow. So it was more like a, more like a, a, a solid after hours slash weekend job that I really loved uh, because I think, I think in, 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 in a workspace at that age, you, you were never um, exposed to actually showing your, you, what you could do and having an impact. And I mean, even seeing that impact of having clean floors, clean shelves, everything looking spick and span before the first customer walks in. They just expect it, right? We just expect it. Like, yeah. as, as a shopper, you don't think about somebody's cleaning that. You just expect the store to be clean, but it were youngsters like you were doing it. I, I, I'm very keen to know. I mean, so obviously you saved a lot of money. I mean, what were you saving up for? So it was for my, so my first, the first item I bought myself was a wild track mountain bike. <laughs> um, and I bought that in standard nine, uh, which in this case is grade 11. So I was about 16 going on 17. So that was my first uh, solid asset that I bought from my own earnings. And then uh, post that, um, as you'd know, Charles, um, I'm a massive Volkswagen Beetle fan and a Volkswagen uh, uh, bus fan. Um, and I saved up to buy my French teacher's, Mrs. Fenter's uh, Volkswagen that was sitting under a pile of um, haystacks and, and, and rubble um, and the old plots here in Centurion. Um, so it had... Uh, an engine. It had no windscreen. It had no bonnet and had no rear flap. But it was it was my dream to buy that car, which I did. And then from there, um, you've had it for yeah, a few years. Eh? Well, about four or five years, probably longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I've still got it today. Wow, I still have the beat in my possession today. It's actually being restored as we speak. That's amazing. I'm, I'm, I didn't know this. This is this is fascinating. So let's let's fast forward a few years, and you go to Varsity, then you. You studied BCom, and then you also uh, taught for what? If I remember correctly, it's uh, economics, right? That you taught at the the high school. Yeah, economic management sciences. So that's a bit of business economics, economics, and accounting uh, for the grade eight, nines, and tens um, to in in the prep phase. Um, and then I also did a, a a bit of accounting for the matrics, um, as I was asked to come in and just assist with the accounting teacher who went on to maternity leave just for the, that matric year to, to complete their studies or to complete their, their matric year just prior to the exam starting. Um, I really, really enjoyed, I think that was an eye opener. Um, you, you believe your customers are your are the children in that space. As, as an entrepreneur, you try and always relate something to a customer and a supplier or a provider perspective, but you've got, the, the the individual and their future on, on, on your shoulders as a young professional and you've got their parents behind that and then um, it's a very interesting setup in terms of understanding and you and you grab very quickly in the teaching sphere um, how important your job and role is and and I really really think um, teachers in South Africa are really um, under uh, 
we, we're not grateful enough for them and the impact they have on the kids. And they're also uh, underpaid. Uh, Teachers are definitely underpaid. Eh? Absolutely underpaid. Wow. So you, and then you start working for Sage after that. Correct. So I basically went into the job markets after two and a half years of being at Sage. I completed my uh, honors degree part-time while I was um, teaching. And then um, I started Sage as a junior consultant or, a, or a, where I used to do um, telephone support. We'd log into big um, old <laughs> PCs on our desk and uh, we, yeah, in those days, you didn't have your own laptop to go into the office. That you'd go into the office, log in. You've got your headphones on. Um, actually, the headphones weren't even there. It was actually a normal phone next to your desk that you'd hold onto your ear and, and support. Oh no, headphones! Oh no! So you yeah. were so so you started at Sage in the call center around 2004, 2005. Then 2004, the first of April, April Fool's Day. Yes. Wow. Okay. So I mean, I, I don't. I don't remember this, but uh, most. I was. I was also working a course in at the time. I was working for insurance, uh, but I have to say, I had a better equipment. They used. They, they actually gave us um, the, the earphones. Uh, those. Uh, what do you call those things? Those. Those earphones that the. Those. I don't know. What, what are those things called? Those earphones that come. There's a microphone at the bottom, so you don't have to hold the phone next to you. Because yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure your neck got pretty sore after a while. Yeah, up. yeah. So, so luckily, it wasn't for too long. We moved immediately into new offices, um, and then from there, um, it, it wasn't. It was owned by Sage. Um, the company I worked for it was called VIP Payroll, um, and then um, from there, VIP Payroll uh, moved into um, Softline VIP and Sage VIP. And now, as we know, uh, the brand today, Sage, everything to do with accounting payroll payments and, and making and supporting small medium businesses and the entrepreneurs in the world. So I, I obviously um, it's exactly what uh, makes me tick and it's a fantastic place to be in to actually see the impact that you have on individuals, on interns that we have on the country as a whole. You can imagine how many people are paid um, via Sage Payslips or the Sage program with the Sage Payslip with it's electronic. Give me a number. How many? How many million? About seventy percent of our country is paid through Sage payrolls. Um, wow. Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. So if you can imagine how many of those individuals actually have the correct tax deducted monthly paid over to our revenue, uh, our, our South African revenue service, it's a massive impact on, um, you know, on on what keeps the country ticking. That's and amazing. Then, Mm. Our Sage Business Cloud Accounting and our accounting products, X3 and Intact, our new cloud medium segment um, accounting product. Um, these products are, are built for from your small businesses up to medium businesses where you can actually scale. And um, it's awesome to see how I've been in the, in, in the company for 18 years, but it has felt like every two to three years, how it's transformed into a new beast and a new, a new animal that that's going out there, and um, new leaders and new people coming on board, and uh, new new colleagues and new skills. The way so, what's nice about Sage is it um, keeps you on your toes, keeps you uh, makes sure that you're relevant. And um, yeah, we uh, there's some some great there's an amazing culture within the business of in, in innovation and collaboration and, and humanizing that technology space. And yeah, I'm I'm uh, super I'm, happy to be there. Listening to your your background, working at a young age, right, running running your own business, saving up for your bike, for your your um uh, your your beetle, your beloved beetle. Um, you. 
and then working as from a literally from the bottom all the way up to to VP. And it took you 18 years to 17, 18 years to get there. You understand what businesses are going through because you've been there before. It was never like a helicopter thing, like there you go, here's the VP thing. So that definitely helps to understand when you speak to your resellers and your other partners in the business. Now I want to find out. So you have about what seven hundred uh, stop under 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 you plus minus. So there's about seven hundred eighty individuals within the within Sage Africa Middle East, and about half of them are in the services or partners alliance structure that I look after. Okay, so as a VP, right? What um, from your point of view, what what is your main objective as a VP of of, of Sage? So. Um, the first the one is there's, there's three items that I always mention when I get a new intake and um, people who know me understand this pretty well. There's three pillars within business and within working for a company that is critical for its success. It's the people, it's the people, and it's the people. And those three items I've been taught by um, one of my previous um, uh, leaders, Matt Kibbe, who unfortunately passed away last year, um, an industry leader. Um, and he used to make sure that once your people are happy and engaged and feel the importance, um, your customers will feel so feel um, likewise. And I know that's your mantra as well, Charles. I've seen how much effort you go into to make sure that the people around you, your family, your friends, and so forth, um, are are happy, are genuinely, um, you know, excited to be around you and speak and so forth. So I think it's a, it's a. My main goal is to ensure that the people are functioning at all levels, um, to their to the best of their ability. Um, I'll give an example. During COVID, uh, the Sage was globally uh, was helping businesses that were going out of business to actually um, give them payment holidays. Um, you know, trade in their old software um, with colleagues. They provided uh, backup systems and um, UPSs and all sorts of additional assistance um, when they, they had the floods in KZN when there was the 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 um, the looting going on. Um, so what's nice is not only I understand how small businesses and the pains that small businesses and the long hours and the and the and the sacrifice to families and friends that it takes to actually make sure a small business runs. Um, we're actually impacting it by having technology to make their lives easier. So just to think that we've created an automation or something that makes gives someone an extra hour in their day, that extra hour we understand is so important to 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 give that person that extra bit of time. No, absolutely. And then thank you for the compliment, PJ. Now I want to ask you, I mean, that like as a as a VP, you that you there must be so many things that you have to handle and 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 manage, but what are you not very good at? Oh, plenty of things. So um <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm a good listener. Uh-huh. Um But I I fidget and I have a superpower, which I I only realized later in life. And um, I I, I listen to a lot of the Simon Sinek podcasts, but my superpower is that I've got ADHD as an adult. 
So although I can listen, I can understand, I need to sometimes stand up and um, have a bit of a walk around, refocus and get stuck in. So I'm not great at sitting for long periods listening. However, um, you know, the it is my superpower and it helps me to do multiple things all at once. Um, I'm not great at golf, although I love golf and I'm not great at all at improving in my golf game. Although a lot of our partners, colleagues, Friends enjoyed playing golf, uh, and I enjoyed playing golf with them. Um, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> so you mentioned about the ADHD. Uh, you know, I, I've I've got it too. I've been, I was diagnosed. You say you were diagnosed as an adult, right? Like, what age were you diagnosed? Uh, four years ago. <laughs> four years ago. So you were in your late thirties. Wow. I was diagnosed when I was in grade one, I think grade one or grade, grade one or grade two. So I'll be on this journey for a long time. And, and, and PJ only about three, four years ago, I actually embraced it because it's always been like a chip on my shoulder growing up. You know, teachers are always saying, you know, why can't you just stop talking, like concentrate, you, you're not going to do well if you don't do this and that. So I always saw it as, as a bad thing. So PJ embrace it. And that's what makes us unique. So a high five to that. And um, I want to find out from you because I know you, 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 you do a lot of learning. So what is your preferred method of learning given your uh, ADHD personality? Is it listening to podcasts? Is it reading books? Is it watching videos? Yeah, hiring a personal coach? I mean, how do you actually learn? So um, these multiple ways of learning or, or multiple ways of getting knowledge into my, my head at different times, um, seasonality would also differ. So the reason <coughs> I'm saying seasonality is in winter, I like to go to bed relatively early, get the kids into bed and read. I think it's just a perfect time, whereas in summer it's obviously difficult to sit under the blankets with a book. So um, on the way to work, uh, when I do travel or back back from after I drop off the kids at school in the mornings, um, I learn through podcasts. I love I love podcasts. I love the short learning um, bits that we get. Um, I love my books. Um, what are you reading right uh, now? Well, the, the past few months. Um, I'm reading Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the second time I'm actually reading it, but I, the, the second time you go through it, the first time is actually just to understand what it all means. And the mm-hmm. second time you can actually start applying what, what he's trying to say there. So that's quite good. Um, the other the other um, interesting ones that I've just gone through. So my first manager who appointed me at Woolworths was Heineke Mayer, the South African Springbok coach, eventually. Um, I was um, 15 turning 16 when he employed me at Woolies. And um, I'm a huge fan of him as a leader because when he was my leader and my first manager, I was just a cleaner on the floor and he was a weekend slash temp manager in a food store as an under 21 University of Pretoria rugby coach. And his leadership style from then to where he was with the, the Springboks didn't differ much in terms what, of the what, was what was his style? Um, inclusive. Um, he, would li- he would listen to understand, not listen to answer you. So that was a big one. Um, so I'd love to. I'd love to meet him again after all these years. I don't even. I, he probably won't remember me, but uh, he definitely made a huge impact in my life in terms of understanding uh, individuals and making sure that uh, the second part, I think, of his leadership style was he was clear on his instructions. Well, here's an idea. Is he on LinkedIn? 
Um, is well, he let's is? look him up. If he is, I'm going to tag him in the post so he can he can get a shout out from his uh, uh, tutor or well, his uh, uh, previous student. Okay, that's great. And what about podcasts? What uh, what podcasts are you listening to? So the, the current one I'm listening to, well, I really enjoy True Crime, crime Stories. It's a South African um, lady who... who um, I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's brilliant. And then the, there's, a, there's another more sort of a light-hearted hearted one, The Art of Manliness. Yeah, I know that one. <laughs> it's, all, it's all about... The one with the logo of the guy with the toothpaste, that one. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then uh, um, and I'm a big sucker for... Um, and it's more from a a fact-finding perspective than actually um, uh, from a, uh, 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 it's called, um, no, I've forgotten it. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll get to it. Okay. So, this is, so yeah. this is how you learn. So, I mean, we, I think that the big difference is. I'm oh, sorry, it's the conspiracy theory, sorry. Conspiracy theory, <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah, by um, Molly Brandenburg. Yeah, uh -huh. it's basically all short snippets about certain activities that happened in the world. So from the pyramids to the 9-11 attacks, to the Gulf War, the the um, all the different items that they always take a spin of it. Could this have been a conspiracy? And then they can actually, conf they actually rate it at the end, whether it is a conspiracy or whether it's just, um, you know, hearsay or, or whether it is um, something, um, whether there was some foul play involved. So that's very a interesting. fascinating. That's a fascinating angle. Love it. So PJ, I mean, my next, my next question. So you, so this is your, your so-called input. This is how you learn. And how do you actually practice what you have learned? Is there, do you have any specific routines that because you're taking a lot of information from work, from, from listening to books, sorry, from, from reading books and podcasts and watching videos, how do you actually practice what you have learned? So um, typically what, what I like to do is I hate routine and I hate bringing things, I hate making something practical by knowing it's practical. I try and think of what I've learned and go back and understand where I could have used it. So remember, remember like when you're a kid. So sorry. Give me an example. So so remember when you're a kid when you're like, oh, that this guy said that to me. And just at the time I should have said this, but I mm, didn't mm, say mm, it. Mm, mm, mm. I try, I try and go back and think, ah, I can use what I've just learned now in that. Uh, oh, I see. So you use it as a you use your past as a, like a reference point. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you, you never okay. learn by thinking, oh, I'm going to use this and uh, I'm going to use this someday. You need to actually attribute it to something and link it to something that you would have done in the past. So right. that's typically how I execute on on things I learn. I think also um, a lot of the items I read in, in, with regards to entrepreneurship and relevance and that. I actually find that some of the people writing it have never been entrepreneurs, have never run their own businesses. So in that sense, I take a lot of it with a pinch of salt, but what I can do, I can tell you exactly what not to do. <laughs> and I can tell you also, you know, the, the, the tips and tricks of, of, of remaining um, uh, in business and relevant um, around specific items that, that, you know, daily items that can happen. I do believe there's some good habits that can can um, come through. So eating well, uh, fitness is a big one. At, and then those two in, in hand in hand, obviously from a mental wellness perspective, I think those are some, some ground 
areas that I think people haven't investigated enough to attribute it to, to good business leaders. Um, but yeah, I think I think overall, um, how I use, uh, yeah, I don't use, um, I don't quite, I hate routines and the routines that I do get into are periodic and then I, I break them and then I create something new and better and more effective. Okay. You mentioned something about business leaders. So I just want to ask you this. So you've been at Sage for, like I said, for, for 18 years and I, I want to find out what was the, the biggest mistake that you made there? Like what, what happened? What did you do? And what was the result of that? Um, so I can remember my biggest mistake in the beginning was um, as a tax consultant or payroll consultant back in the day, the specific activities that you would be called out to big customers um, to do. And I went out to a large logistics company that I think everyone would be familiar with. Uh, I won't mention the name, but um, a few thousand trucks on the road. And um, what happened, it was acquired by another division or another division was acquired by, the, uh, by another company. And um, I needed to do transfers. And what happened was I transferred the wrong employees to the wrong company. Ouch. Right? <laughs> so I got back to the office. And by the time I got back to the office, um, I had received a few phone calls on the way to say that something's not working. It's, it doesn't look great. Um, they seem to have a problem. And then when I got to the office, I went to my manager at the time and she just basically said, well, the only way you fix this is you tell them that what the problem is and what you've done. You own up, you own up to your mistake. Yeah. And then you from there, once that's, yeah, so I thought I was going to get fired immediately, but I think the way she handled it actually taught me from a leadership perspective, rather uh, embrace where you failed and be transparent and call it out and then fix it from there. Instead and, of trying uh, to hide it or trying to explain your way out of it. I love that. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what's nice is uh, to this day, I instill that in my children. I said, tell mm. me if you've done something wrong, I will back you 100% if I know what you've done wrong and I can help you. I can't help you if I don't know what's wrong because we don't know where to start fixing the problem. So, so what happened to that client when you, when you got up the courage? To I know. So, 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 so I've, I've remained in contact with that customer. Um, they've had new boards of directors, new payroll divisions and so forth and grown and, and that. And uh, we, they're still our customer. They're still using um, the latest version of our payroll software and super, super happy. Um, what was interesting is when I asked my manager, Chanel, at that time, what is going to happen to me? So she says, well, you, you're going to learn from this. And, and, what said, well, yeah, and what else? Yeah, and what else? And what else? Am I going to be here next month? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not coming on Monday. <laughs> yeah. So I said, well, well, I have learned from it. I'll never do that again. Because that's exactly it. Uh -huh. If I employ someone else, they haven't learned that lesson yet. And it hasn't cost the business anything except the fact that they know that our culture is around being transparent and open if something happens. So, you know, those, those small skills, I've been very blessed to have some great leaders around me. Um, and, and, and I mean, that's a, that's a, you know, feather in their caps so that they've actually, and I mean, these individuals that I don't even think actually know what impact they've had on my life, but mm -hmm. you know, they, these are the small lessons learned every day.
That's awesome, man. So, so Peter, before before I let you go, I, um, the one last question is, what is the, I mean, because we're always learning and things are forever changing. What have you changed your mind or thinking on in the last year about a specific, maybe it's a, a learning or method or a saying, anything jumps out? What have you changed your thinking on? Um, so the listening attentively um, is, a, is a big thing. That the, the, um, my boss actually the other day, who's a very inspiring leader, um, is very um, level-headed with with the way he he runs the business. Um, super super ambitious, making sure that everyone is set up for success. And he said to us, "You've got one mouth and two ears, and you need to use them in proportion." Love it. But he was he was addressing a larger audience around the listening to to understand more than listening to just to answer. answer. I love that. Yeah. PJ Bishop, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you, Charles. That was fantastic. If you would like to connect with Charles, get in touch with him on LinkedIn, Charles Schwen, or follow him on Instagram, Flying Kite Today. Till next time.